Hello, and welcome to Someday We'll All Be Dead, a podcast where we talk about all the things with a social work perspective. I'm your host, Hallie Harris, and I'm a hospice social worker. Hi, I'm Matt. <laughs> so, as you all know, this is not a political podcast, but it's really hard in this day and age to not talk about what's going on in the world. And so we're going to try to come at this from our own perspective of just being citizens, being Washington State residents, um, being a healthcare worker, being a veteran, um, and just trying to figure out our place in the world. Yeah, I appreciate honesty, and I believe that maybe some of the shows we watch are trying to unbiasedly show some honesty. Well, maybe not so unbiased. (laughs) So in case you're listening to this in the future, we are recording on the 16th of November, 2020. We're both terrified that, as we saw in a meme, 2021 is going to say, hold my beard in 2020. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully it is not the terrible apocalypse that we fear it might be. We are still... Two weeks after the election and hearing the president, 45, continue to scream on Twitter that he won the election. That was the latest thing I saw this morning. Right. Voter fraud is is going, is like wildfire, according to him, and uh, there's still no concession. So that's where we're at. That's the state of things. On top of which, uh, COVID... Coronavirus has... Uh, Just hitting its second wave, in, in Amer- actually, in the world. In the world. So, I think that's really where I want to start. I'm, I'm going to title this um, this episode, Logic versus Emotions. I think that that has a place in every single aspect that we're going to talk about. And that's not to say that you can't have logic and have emotions, but I really think it's important, especially for our leadership, to have a little bit more logic than emotion in this case. Yeah. Uh, tough to hold back all the emotions. <laughs> That's the <laughs> difficult part about being a Vulcan and uh, half, half Vulcan, <laughs> half human is uh, suppressing the emotions and being logical. So, yeah. <laughs> Good comparison. So, I want to start off with uh, the new COVID restrictions. The beginning, well, I, should, I was going to say the beginning of this week, but really it was the weekend. We are recording in Washington State, and Washington is one of the states that's having a bigger spike. As you know, we were also one of the first entry points of the country. So, of course, our state is a little more nervous, <laughs> I would say, um, about the coronavirus. And none of us... I mean, I think it's fair to say nobody wants a family member to die. But what I've been seeing the most of on social media, and we'll, we'll get into social media a little bit later, but what I've been seeing the most of is not only Washington State, but a lot, since that's where a lot of my friends are, um, blaming the governor for the restrictions. So first, maybe give us a little bit of a breakdown of Washington State and the way it's laid out. Well, I'd like to say I, th- I believe that the eastern part of the state is uh, it's over the mountains and it's a little more arid, more tundra over there. And there's a lot more, uh, they call them uh, 509ers, that's the area code over there. And uh, <laughs> they tend to lean right. And the more populated 
heavily, densely populated um, Western Washington. Western Washington, where we get a lot more rain than snow and <laughs> a lot more, a lot more mild weather as far as temperature goes than the eastern part of the state. But uh, there, there's because of their the population density, there are more Democratic left-leaning people in the western part of the state than there are in the eastern part of the state. However, there are still a lot, I mean, maybe it's where I work, but it seems like there, there are plenty of outspoken uh, right-leaning people. And I, I do want to bring up the distinction. I mean, we'll, we will get into this a little bit in the second section here, uh, but right-leaning is not necessarily Trump-supporting. I think where you work specifically, there are people that are specifically supporting Trump. Whereas I, I do want to talk about the fact that there is a distinction between traditionally conservative people that may be voting for Trump because he's on the Republican ticket versus people that are fully supporting um, Trump himself. 45. Yeah, but I mean, <clears throat> here's, here's the thing. This is the first time in history that uh, that there's been this much of a holdout by the by the incumbent president to not concede concede yet, uh, and that's the only thing that's a little bit uh, off putting about the whole thing. It's like, oh, let's put a pin in that because we're going to come to that second. I want to stay on uh, COVID just for a minute and and really focus on the whole blaming the governor part. Well, I guess well, okay, and well. It, relates to that is the fact that the incoming president is not allowed to get any sort of briefings on what the incumbent administration is doing to deal with COVID right now, which really isn't but that much. But are they doing anything? <laughs> isn't that I much. Mean, I guess that's maybe more of the question. Um, He's not allowed to take over. You know, I, I really try to restrain myself from engaging in political rhetoric, particularly this year. There was a point where especially about four years ago, that I was very much like, I'm a social worker, I'm absolutely going to speak up when it has to do with people saying racist stuff or ridiculous, unwarranted stuff um, on social media. And at this point, it's so exhausting that you can't have a conversation anymore. It's, it's name calling, it's ridiculousness. But this morning, I did actually respond to a meme that someone posted. I guess it was more of a words than a meme, but it said, everybody that voted for Jay Inslee, who's currently the Washington State governor that just re-won the race um, for governor, everybody that voted for governor, stop saying shop, you know, hashtag shop local businesses because you killed them. And I responded after waiting for about 10 minutes and mulling it in my head. I actually responded because I could not, I could not not respond. And I said, interesting choice of words because I feel the same way about people not wearing a mask, except for it's literal. I, I was infuriated to think, and, and this just goes to the whole, we're so divided. We can't think that anybody can have more than one opinion. I can support Governor Inslee and I can support restrictions to safeguard our public health. And also <laughs> I can support small businesses. That's, that's not mutually exclusive. I don't understand why this is an issue on top of which, if you listen to 
Inslee's speech, it was all about limiting the restrictions. He's not shutting us down like we were in March. It's not a complete shutdown. It's a rollback because we didn't do what we were supposed to do in the first freaking place. Had we done what we were supposed to do, had we had good leadership from the top, then maybe we could have been a lot further along in controlling this virus. And it's not fair to blame even one governor because several governors are doing this. One of the things I noted... I mean, people are still traveling. It's, it's all of the states in the United States need to do what needs to be done. Yeah. Because people are still traveling from place to place, driving or flying. And They're, people are still dying. The spreading is happening. Yeah. Um, in Michigan, their governor, uh, bravely, after a kidnap plot, for Christ's sake... Um, <laughs> Also imposed some restrictions, and one of the White House uh, coronavirus advisors, you know, the White House, the ones that are supposed to be dealing with this, actually told his constituents, or not constituents, but people that follow him and people in Michigan to, quote, rise up against this oppression. Now, that was yesterday. Today, he was tweeting, I never said anything about violence. But what do you think that's inciting? Let's be serious. That's like saying, I was just kidding. No, you weren't. You were called on it, and now you're trying to back down. But the truth is, you're inciting violence <laughs> in a time when it's literally life and death. I, I just can't. Um, and yeah, I know it's tough on small businesses. Of course it's tough on small businesses. I have a lot of different thoughts about small businesses. My mom has had several small businesses. I have had a small business. I get that it sucks to be having these restrictions. <sighs> I mean, you had you had small businesses when it wasn't COVID, and it, it turned out to be not as successful as you hoped it would. Yeah. It's a hard thing to do, run a small business. Yes, and, and I also get that you have emotional attachments. That's another thing that kills me. I was hearing on the local news, they were talking about someplace down south and oh it's been an institution and i'm thinking to myself when's the last time you were there have you been supporting that small business because i guarantee you haven't been on top of which we all knew we have been talking about in this country that there's going to be a second wave since april as a small business i'm sorry but if you did not plan for this to happen if you didn't take some safeguards if you're a restaurant to plan for to-go business, <coughs> I'm not sure what to say. There was some businesses that planned for outdoor seating and stocked up on outdoor heaters, and some other businesses did not. Is it their fault? No, but it's a consequence of not planning. I've heard of people that cut hair making house calls, fucking masks and gloves. Yeah. You know, making yeah. sure that when they get there, the people that they're cutting their hair are wearing masks I mean, it's not going to sustain the business, but it's going to help you stay alive a little bit. Yeah. It, they're not shutting everything down. They're just trying to limit the spread. And I wish that more people would see this new layer of restrictions as really trying to work with small businesses. Uh, I don't know how the money's getting dis distributed, but I know they talked about having, you know, over you know, several million or hundred million dollars, I don't remember how much he said, was going into small businesses to try to help them get through this. And it's not even the same shutdown. Let's at least put a little bit more of the blame on the federal government 
because this is a federal problem, not a state individual problem. The fact that they have not released any kind of financial support package since the first $1,200 we got back in what? May? Not even May. April? March? I can't remember how long ago that was. Yeah, real helpful now, huh? About that $1,200 went a long way. I still got it. <laughs> I just tucked it under my mattress. I mean, I'm sure that $1,200 helped a lot of people in that moment, but it did not sustain them for six or eight months. That's ridiculous. How much money did Wall Street during the Republican presidency get for that bailout or the, you know, the bailout that Obama had to give? That was all banks. That was to save the economy from a recession that we already were in just to not make it worse. And yet we're letting individual Americans suffer. It's just, it's infuriating that it's become so political when it should be about the people. It shouldn't be about sides. We can all work together. We can do it. I know it. There's no, there's no need to be finger pointing anymore. We can we can just tuck our fucking shirts in, <laughs> tie our shoes, and start working together. You know, I could, could I be work... in a bunch of bitches. Let's, let's all just be brothers and sisters. Well, I mean, I'm gonna allow a bunch of bitches right now because it feels like that kind of time to be saying that. So. Yeah. yeah well. Uh, you know, my last little note about COVID is really, even if you have a small business and you have to close, would you be willing to close if the one person that died or that was saved was your relative? It's very different when it hits you at home. And I'm not talking about just somebody getting sick. I'm talking about someone dying, dying a terrible death. I think most of us, if you've been on social media or they even had it on CNN News this morning, that doctor that I, I read you the thread about people not believing in COVID even when they were screaming it with their last breath before they were ventilated. Yeah. And the doctor was saying, you know, I, I'm so sad that that's going to be their last words. They're just filled with hate and anger instead of spending the last, you know, breaths they have saying goodbye to their loved ones or whatever. Thank you for trying to take care of me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I work in healthcare, but I don't have the same kind of tough job as people working on the front lines. I don't, I don't go out on EMS calls. I don't work at the hospital. You know, my, my limits, my limitations are, are not as bad. My exposure risk is not as bad. It's still risky. I'm still going out to, to homes and, and riskier than a lot of people. Uh, it is, but you know, we, we have, our company luckily has a lot of PPE and, and we have strict protocols on wearing them and limiting our visits. If it's not needed, we can do phone visits or virtual visits. So I'm luckier than a lot of people that I can work from home and I have options for the most part. Um, but I worry about those healthcare workers that, you know, a lot of them probably have PTSD from the first round. And now here we go again, just because we're so damn stubborn. It's infuriating that it's so preventable. That was another thing I, I replied to on Facebook was someone said, I'm sorry, Washington. They, they moved away from Washington. And they said, I saw the restrictions. I'm sorry. And I said, don't be. It was preventable. It was preventable. It sucks for the people that have been trying to do the right thing and now they're getting penalized. But we're all in this together. If, they, if nothing else, that <laughs> this virus has taught us that. I'm pretty good at staying home and doing nothing. I'm pretty good <laughs> at it. 
So part two of my little chat here tonight, um, I just wrote down democracy, Ugh. which almost sounds like a bad word lately. It, it's, it's almost unfathomable, I feel like, for people on the, on the liberal side, if I, if I may, to understand how people that we know that are intelligent otherwise could believe the ridiculousness that has been spread across news platforms on the right and social media. And now I'm hearing about this new social media platform called Parler, which apparently is super conservative. That's what we need. Yeah. At least, <laughs> you know, Facebook and Twitter have some shit they need to handle. They're a mess. They got, they got a lot of issues. But going to somewhere that's even more extreme is just going to limit your exposure to other people's views. And just like people on the left need to be listening to and seeing what's going on on the right, the same needs to happen. There's no way we can continue in this fashion of just completely living in a bubble. We just can't do it. We're tearing ourselves apart. I think it's about conversations too. I mean, you got to be able to attempt to try to have a conversation. Whether, whether, you know, it turns into an argument, then you can stop and take a break or walk away. But the conversations still need to be had. Yeah, the conversations do need to be had. I mean, I, I really don't get how fervent this fight against the truth has been when even a Republican Department of Homeland Security specifically the election department, said there's no fraud, that it's the safest election in history. Right. The bill that Donald Trump enacted <laughs> yeah. to make to ensure a, a valid, truthful, safe, you know, what do you call it? Um, secure yeah. election. The, the most secure election in the history in the middle of a pandemic, no less. Of this country. And there are people, you know, there are Republicans, there are Democrats, people on both sides all over this country doing local election counts that are getting death threats. Republicans getting death threats because they're counting legal votes because for some reason people don't understand how voting works. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, that's really... More than anything, what I don't understand is how something as simple as the absentee ballot process, which has been talked about for months leading up to this, how they don't understand that you can still have a ballot that was postmarked the day of the election or before, and that is a legal ballot. And even saying legal vote is, is a right. racist thing. Because some PFC in Afghanistan stationed there got it postmarked by the date, and it didn't get there. For a month. Yeah. You know, that's why they have mail-in votes. So our soldiers around the world can still vote in our election. Yeah, we've had absentee ballots since the Civil War. For exactly that reason. <laughs> There's no fraud in having our soldiers get their votes counted. Yes, but it only, you know, it's only fraud when it doesn't count for you. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating. 
And I've also been hearing the argument trying to equate this election to 2000 and Florida and the Chad controversy. If you're not old enough to remember, that was when ballots had little hole punches, basically, and some of them had what they called hanging chads or little hanging pieces of hole that didn't get punched out all the way. And in that election, Gore had originally conceded. And then his people told him, no, wait, because it was all hinging on Florida. And Florida... Whose governor was the brother... brother of the other person running. <laughs> uh, you know, Coincidentally. I feel like that was an acceptable time to make sure that you recount a specific state. Right, but they did a recount. He lost. And he conceded. Yeah. So it is still not equivalent... Also, how is it the argument that he shouldn't concede and we should give him all this time when, if it was the opposite, if 45 had won another term, they would not be saying that about Biden. They would not be saying, oh, just give him time. It's okay. No. no. What they're saying is in 2016, everybody was protesting the, uh, voter, the, the interference from Russia. And uh, that they wouldn't let it go. They wouldn't let it go. They just wouldn't never let it go. Which is not true at all. Because the day after the election, Hillary Clinton conceded. conceded. And Barack Obama had him in the White House on the a chair after. right next to him in the Oval Office, shaking his hand. Giving him intelligence briefings as if he... No, I'm not going to say it. I'm not <laughs> going to say it. I'm not going to be that name-calling person. I am trying to reach out. <sighs> it's easy to fall into the when they go low, we go lower uh, category. Donald Trump had his run. and uh, It didn't work. He lost. It could have been worse. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I also wrote down uh, this rioting and destruction of property. The quote, million MAGA march, which is more like a couple thousand MAGA march. Uh, again... It's all about transparency and the truth. There's no outrage from anyone on the right that they were tearing down signs, literally grabbing people from the observing crowd, starting fights, recording part of it or releasing part of the tape, blaming the, the protesters or the anti-counter you know counter protesters or peaceful people just watching it, getting them, like, making it like it's their fault. Um, yeah. There's, there's no outrage, but, you there know, no, Black Lives uh, Matter. No tear gas, no rubber bullets from the, <laughs> no. from the police. No, none of that. None of that. They could, you know, and it, it goes back even before the election when they, when everybody stood on Michigan's doorstep and said, you know, free Michigan and they, and a bunch of conservative people with <laughs> rifles, assault rifles, were on the front doorstep. No one said anything about that because, you know, that's legal. But can you imagine if Black Lives Matter would have done that? Because in the year 220, apparently fascism is better than anti-fascism. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand that. Also, just a side note, no one's taking your guns. No one's coming to take your guns. No one in eight years of Obama came to take your guns. No one's coming to take your guns. Just stop. I just saw that on social media yesterday. When we're doing all this election stuff, they're passing this secret legislation for gun control. Nobody's doing anything in the Senate, let me tell you. 
Ask Mitch McConnell what he's doing. And, I, and if I can say something, if you think you're a responsible gun owner and you own a gun that's not registered, guess what? You're not a responsible gun owner. <laughs> <sighs> They're not coming to take your guns. They just, we just want responsible restrictions and legislation. And there should be nothing wrong with that. You know what we haven't had since the lockdown? A school shooting. You know what else we haven't had? A mass shooting. Not like Las Vegas. Not like the Pulse nightclub. Why is that? <laughs> I'm surprised we haven't, honestly, because of the stress, mental stress it's had on the isolation of people. Lord, that guy in the, in the, in the hotel in Vegas had an arsenal in that hotel room. Yeah. I bet he was a responsible gun owner. <laughs> so now comes the portion where we kind of get into the media and social media. Think about what the media has been covering. It's been all Trump supporters, all protests, all trying to combat fake news. And yet in 2016, the media was all, they were trying to figure out, you know, why people voted for Trump or what he was talking about. But now in 2020, the most important thing you think the media would be talking about, you think the story would be, what was the swing? Especially these states that flipped, Arizona and Georgia. Why aren't they out there talking about people that voted for Biden or switched their, their votes? That should be the story. Not, why are these people protesting alternate realities where they think that this vote was stolen, even though there's absolutely zero credibility as we go on and on. And every day there's more stories about how they're proving any of these claims to be false. And yet the narrative continues because the freaking media is still focusing on it. And social media. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, they're not focusing on it because it's not what gets people to watch the news, apparently. <laughs> but it could be. I mean... Yeah, it should be. Do their job, you know? I, I read this statistic that talked about... Uh, Talked about representation, and I actually heard it on a podcast too, which I'll get into in a second, but it was talking about the fact that our Senate is, uh, well, hopefully, depending on the runoff in Georgia, would be 50-50, right? And if you really want some great information about legislature and electoral college, please, please, please go check out the podcast you're wrong about. Today, they... Uh, released an episode about the Electoral College and it's so, so informative and, you know, you should be mad about the Electoral College, but probably not for any other reasons you think you should be. So it's fascinating. It clears up, excuse me, a lot of myths about what's wrong with the Electoral College and then tells you what really is wrong with it. So it's really great. But um, thinking about 50 senators, uh, Republican and 50 are Democratic. 50 Democratic senators are representing 41 million more of the population. 41 million more Americans are represented by the same half of the Senate. That's why they set it up that way, right? So everyone's represented equally. Yeah, I mean, honestly, their podcast is like an hour long and I don't have, we don't have time to get into it. Plus I don't have all the facts in front of me, but it really is fascinating too. I thought it was all just about gerrymandering. I thought it was the big, the big flaw with the electoral college. No, no. Gerrymandering, gerrymandering. 
well, gerrymandering is a part of it, but that's not what the Electoral College was started on. What it was really started on was first they couldn't decide and didn't really care because it was back in the day of Washington and they were like, well, Washington is going to be the president, so it doesn't really matter. So we can't agree on anything. So let's just go on this law that we created for taxation where people want their wealth represented. So northern states had actual wealth like money and southern states wanted their slaves counted as well. So that's where they got the three-fifths law. That three-fifths of a person was actually a tax code. Yeah, it's your face is describing all of that. But so and then the one of the myths that I really liked what they talked about was that I think a lot of us think that the Electoral College helps smaller states with less population, like rural states, but it actually totally does not. It's not true, yeah. The Electoral College, think about all the money in elections. There's twelve states, they said, that all almost all of the election money and election campaigning goes to 12 swing states and all of them are high populations. None of them. Nobody goes to Idaho. Nobody goes to Wyoming. Nobody goes to California either because guess what? It's going to be blue. Like every state that's already kind of historically a, a red or blue state, nobody goes to that state. They go to the swing states. So guess what? All the Republicans in Washington state should be fighting against the Electoral College. Because then you would feel like your vote counts. I hear that every single year. Why do we even count it? Does you know why do we even vote if states always blue? Well, it's not blue. It's barely 50-50, honestly. It's like 60-40. But that's because your vote is underrepresented. And that's why the Electoral College should not be counted at all. It's it was made for BS reasons and they don't hold up. Another outdated version. You know, just like, just like the Second Amendment never, never, ever thought there would be automatic weapons. All right, there was no when they wrote that they didn't think about automatic weapons yeah. at all. No. Well, they're applying those words to their lives now. The Electoral College was written long ago. In a land far, far away. Yeah, when the populations weren't like they are now. It doesn't no. apply to how the populations are now. Yeah. Yeah. The reason that they did it is because we didn't have instant communication. They were like, how are we going to get a vote done when nobody communicates that quickly? So let's pick a look to to come together and represent the populations. That's kind of how it started. And it was about money. It wasn't really about people. It was about money. Well, it was definitely part of it. But ultimately, it's, it, you know, everything that they wrote was supposed to represent the people. And that's not how it is now. And, you know, as that podcast talks about, you're wrong about podcast talks about, that doesn't mean that Democrats are always going to win. Even if we got rid of the Electoral College, which I think a lot of conservatives are worried about that it would end up that Democrats would always win. That's not the case. But what you'd see is an extremely different kind of campaigning because they would have to talk to the whole population and actually deal with actual problems. One of the best ones that they talked about was the fact that all these schools, kids are, are learning from home, but there's not broadband across the country. It's barely in rural areas. Hell, I can't even barely get it out of my office. And we're not that rural. So, you know, maybe let's talk about things that actually affect people every day instead of some erroneous BS that only affects one or two states. All right. 
All right, I'm off my soapbox about the Electoral College, <clears throat> but you really should listen to that. There's another podcast that's, it's not new either, but it's new to me, called Majority 54. They started it, I guess, around 2016 to speak to the 54% of people that are more progressive, but, and want to be progressive, but they did not win the election, you know, because Hillary conceded. And, uh, and so their whole thing is how do you reach across the aisle? I really love that message. I think that's really been incorporated in part of our message on this podcast is trying to look at things from all angles and understand each other and figure out ways to navigate the world that's not divisive. I hope that's how we come across. Certainly we are left leaning and we have some opinions, but I'm, you know, I've always said I'm open to hearing any other side so I can understand it and come to some kind of consensus to move forward. Um, you know, all evidence shows that Joe Biden is going to be inaugurated on January 20th. No matter what happens, no matter all these lawsuits, no matter all this tantrum throwing and fake news and whatever. Ultimately, January 20th, Biden's going to be inaugurated. I, I have, you know, I'm 90% sure that's going to happen. Um, but how much... Can, how much damage can Trump do? How much can he disrupt? How much is it likely that he's not going to go away even after that? So he's still firing people? I don't know if he's fired anyone today. I'm not sure if that's... Uh... I don't know. The Pentagon certainly was worrying. Yeah. And they got some great conversations just in the last couple of episodes. Definitely check out Majority 54. I'm really hoping someday that I can convince them to come on the show because they just... They're so great. One of them was a secretary of state and, and they have so much information about how elections work and how, you know, what's reality. And that's another reason I like listening to Chris Hayes this last couple of weeks because him and John, John Meacham, is that his name? Yes. Listening to political historians has really been therapeutic for me, honestly. Understanding how close all of our elections have been all the time, like we really are a 46-46 split, and it's that tiny little difference that swings back and forth. That makes me feel better. <laughs> it makes me feel better that not half the country is actually Trump supporters, that half the country is conservative. And I'm, I feel a lot better about that. <laughs> I don't know about you. What do you think? I have to agree with you. I, I just think that, uh, yeah, I guess, when I'm talking about healing and everybody moving forward, I just think that... Uh, if you're trying to reach across the aisle, it's easier to reach to someone who's reaching back. You know what I mean? Yes. That's a great visual. It's hard to communicate with someone that's not willing to hear your side. Right. Yeah. I've seen we, we all got to want to move forward. All of us. We all have to want to move forward. And that doesn't mean move forward in a progressive way necessarily. It means move forward... As in, let's all be able to get on with our daily lives because we're not constantly thinking about what a crazy person is tweeting, honestly. Right. Constructive conversation, constructive criticism, even. Yeah. But not anger, not pointing fingers, working, turning our boats all in the same direction so we can all be in the same boat heading in the right direction. Let's start setting an example for the world instead of being an the embarrassment. The laughing stock. <laughs> Honestly, as a veteran, 
that's one of the more upsetting things to me. I can't even imagine veterans in other countries right now having to face the soldiers and and countrymen that they're around having to explain what's going on in our country. This is absurd. It's absurd. <clears throat> other countries are just laughing at us. I'm still proud to be an American and I'm proud of our country, but there are certain things that it's it's hard to hard to be comfortable about being proud of. Yeah. I mean, we really I've been around the world. Yeah. I'm not just saying that like I like somebody who's just <laughs> sat around the United States of America their entire life. I've, I've or their traveled. Own city. I've traveled, okay? I've been to Japan. I've been Australia. to Korea. I've been to Australia. I've been to Germany. And Bosnia. I traveled all the way to uh, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and Mexico? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Biden's got a lot of work ahead of him. And look, Biden was neither one of our first choice. All right? Neither one of us. I will be the first one to tell. I will tell you. I voted for Pete Buttigieg in the primary. I'm going to be honest about it. Well, it's like Tucker Carlson's breaking case about uh, <sighs> Joe Twitter. He's dead and he voted. It's like, uh, no. Turns out it was his widow of 14 years who her married name was his first name. Yeah. But with Mrs. in front of it. And they went to interview her. And uh, she, she's like 90-something. 96. 96 years old. And she's looking at the camera going, he didn't vote. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> she said, I voted with my married name. Yeah. Mrs. Joe, whatever, you know, Junior. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, Who, who'd you vote for? She, she kind of shook her head a little bit. <laughs> she goes, not the other guy. <laughs> yeah, well, she said she voted for Biden, but then she said... But really, I was voting not for him, yeah. not for Trump. Yeah, yeah. It it's just oh, we have to get away from this. I claim it, so it's true. Let's try to look at facts. Let's try to get back to yeah true journalism. So and... many other news places like ran with Tucker Carlson's breaking story when yeah. he was wrong to begin with. He didn't do his homework. Yeah. Dead people voting. No, sorry. No dead people voted this year. Well, we're going to have to find some hope and we're going to have to move forward. And Biden has a ton of work ahead of him. He's, first of all, got to get this virus under control. Let, let's, you know, start to wrap up this last segment with some great news about the vaccines. Pfizer came out with a 90% effectivity rate or efficacy rate. And the other company, I think... Moderna or something, I can't remember what they're called, has a 94.5% effective rate and they don't have the same transportation problem because they don't need their vaccine to be as low at a temperature. Today on the news, uh, one of the docs said that healthcare workers could start getting the vaccine by the end of December, which means the rest of the population could start getting it by March, April, which means, you know, next summer we could actually start to get back to some semblance of normal. Which we knew it was going to take that long. Vaccines do not just magically appear. But people we have people to that get live in the Ozarks can finally go and party at that <laughs> fucking place. <laughs> Next summer, not right now. I mean, Thanksgiving's here, Christmas is here. I know it sucks. It's been a long ass year. Everybody wants to be together. 
please, 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 please do not kill your family members. I saw another meme, social media, sometimes good for some things. Uh, had a lady with a wine glass in her hand sitting back and it said, military families laughing at people for complaining about being alone for the holidays. Yeah. There are sacrifices that need to be made. That doesn't mean they're easy. Yeah. There's some people at work going, there's no such thing as a virtual Thanksgiving. They're like, we're all just going to get together anyway. And I was just, you got to be kidding me, shaking my head. Like, come on. Come on. Yeah. Is it, worth, it. is it worth your family member? Is it worth not having them here for next Thanksgiving? Ask yourself that. The risk may be low, but it's still there. And let me tell you, that is a terrible death. You do not want to die from a respiratory illness. Especially not this one. Oh. So, vaccines. Don't suck me back into the negative. <clears throat> Sorry. Vaccines are coming. All right? Once this virus starts getting out of control, we get through these next couple of weeks, which, by the way, it's not two months of a complete shutdown. It's a couple of weeks of a little bit more stringent restrictions so that we can get this back down instead of having a million new cases in a week. December 14th. You can make it to December 14th, everybody in Washington. That's only a month. We've already done eight. What's one more? If you do it real good, maybe you won't ever have to do it again. Plus, it's a great excuse for when you don't want to spend time with some of your family members. What better excuse do you have? Good point. <laughs> so once that happens, you know, once, once Biden gets elected, he really, really has to focus on helping the working class. There's got to be some kind of concerted effort. I know they're working on the minimum wage. That's not enough. They need to be focused on people that have careers in fields that are going away. They need to be focused on not just developing green energy, but pulling the people that are working in those other fields into those fields. How about we get some of those coal miners retrained, put some federal dollars into that. Maybe don't buy a tank for the army and put it towards some coal miners in Virginia to get them retrained into something else. Whether it's tech or whether it's solar panels or windmills. Yeah, solar panel construction would be an excellent field to start learning and, and teaching. Anything. Set up a school. We need to be reaching out because continuing to leave that part of the population behind is what's causing all of this bullshit in the first place. They feel left behind. That's why they listen to Trump. That's why they listen to drain the swamp rhetoric. That's why they listen to I'm not a politician. It's exactly that, because they felt like they weren't being heard. Because the Democrats were not doing their job. They used to be the working class party, and they lost it. They need to get it back, and they got a long way to go. And if you can pull some of those people back to the simple structure of Maslow's hierarchy, where you put people's basic needs at the forefront of all of your agendas, making sure people have a safe place to stay, and food for their families and being able to support themselves, then they're not going to be as susceptible to the stupid fear rhetoric that's been going on for the last four years. Sounds kind of loving. Oh my God. And caring. Does it sound socialist? Well, I wasn't going to say that, but <laughs> sounds caring and loving. Sounds peaceful. Yeah. I, it's not going to happen overnight and it's going to take a lot of, you know, you're not going to get the faith from that side. You're going to have to have a lot more action to rebuild that trust. And that's just going to have to be how it is. 
The last thing I kind of want to bring up is what I've been hearing a lot about, which is the, and Majority 54 talks about this a lot too, is that whole reaching across the aisle, being the adult in the room, you know, not throwing things in their face or gloating or whatever that we want to do. And I also, in the same, you know, at the same time, I'm hearing a lot of people of color and a lot of other people just be like, this feels like you're asking me to be nice to my abuser. This feels like I'm in an abusive relationship and you're telling me that the only way out is through being nice to this abuser. And that they've bent over backwards enough and it's time to push back against kindness and decency. And I hear, I hear it. I hear both sides. I totally get it. And some days I'm definitely on the side of, fuck that, it's time to call everybody out on their racist, sexist, misogynist bullshit. And every other ist, for that matter. And at the same time, I'll have another day where I'm like, if we keep doing that, we're never going to move forward. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And as a white person, I can't tell a person of color not to feel that way. I freaking get it. I get it. And I feel that way myself sometimes. There's no good answer. And it's just going to be like that. Some days are going to suck worse than others. That's, uh, that was one of the uh, things about this uh, story about this guy. Uh, I think he just had a, had a bad experience at a restaurant. Or how was it? No, I'm sorry. It was in a movie theater. Uh, there was somebody brought a baby to a theater. It was a matinee. There was like three people in the entire theater, but this couple brought their baby <laughs> and it was him. And there was some other guy in the back and, uh, the baby started like, Wah! you know, <laughs> and, uh, the guy was like, come on, <laughs> you know, and, uh, the ba- they didn't do anything. They just let the baby cry and cry and cry. And then finally he was like, you can just tell the age and how somebody is just by hearing their voice. And there's a guy in the back who's just like, either make it quiet or get it out. <laughs> Completely not understanding of the situation at all. And uh, <laughs> it was just a big like war that happened in this place. And finally the guy was like, all right, I'll come back tomorrow and watch this movie. I don't need to fucking deal with this shit. So he walked out and he, he just mentioned to the manager of the place, like, these people brought a baby to the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, the guy that yelled walked out. I thought you meant the people with the baby walked out. No, 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 no. They stayed there. Okay. And he said the manager looked at him and was like, some people suck. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the most valid argument that a manager can say over a place where there's public people doing public things all the time. It's like, yeah, some people suck. You can't change how people are. You never will be able to. People that suck are going to show up everywhere you are. Yeah. It's 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 the ability to try to be a little more receptive or accept what's going on. I'm working on it myself because I got a long way to go. But I think we really need to focus on grace and compassion. Compassion. And empathy. And I don't necessarily mean all of those things for everyone. I think People do need to be called out. I, I heard just before we started recording, there was a Republican lawmaker in Georgia that was being pressured to throw out valid ballots 
by Lindsey Graham. If I don't know if that's true. I have not looked into that. But if it is true, I hope he resigns. I think that's ridiculous, but it's certainly not the most ridiculous thing he's ever done. Uh, I think people like that do need to be called out. But people that are not in positions of power, that are just trying to live their life and they've been fed this fear, you're not going to get them away from the fear if you continue to feed into it, which is to make them feel like they're being looked down upon. And I know that sucks. It sucks to take the higher road sometimes. It feels good in the moment sometimes to just be like, you suck and you're dumb. But they're not dumb. Maybe ignorant. But they're not going to be enlightened or educated or be receptive to anything if you keep treating them like shit. We're all human beings. And we all need a little compassion and grace sometimes. How many times have we seen that posted where be nice to everyone because you don't know what battles they're fighting. You have no idea what's going on in the inner workings of people day to day. Aside from the mental strain and exhaustion of this entire year and COVID and elections, what else is going on in people's lives? So let's try to be kind. That doesn't mean don't be an advocate. That doesn't mean don't stand up for what's right. It just means try to do it with a little bit of kindness. A little, thought, a little thoughtfulness, yeah. A little thoughtfulness. So on that note, you know, let's just try to get through this. Because someday... We'll all be dead.